A long time ago, in the land of Israel, things were not good. What do you mean, not good, Miss Tavtha? How bad was it? It was so bad that the nation of God's people had split in two. It would seem that a certain king of Israel thought it would be a great idea to raise harsh taxes on the people who were hoping to get a break in taxes now that God's temple had been finished in Jerusalem. God's temple? That's right. It's the place that God would meet with his priests and where everyone in the land would go to offer sacrifices to him. It was a fantastic building, but it wasn't cheap. And so King Solomon had paid for it by putting heavy taxes on the people. So you can imagine that when his son, the new king, said they were going to be taxed even more... That probably didn't make them happy. Indeed not. And it was for that reason that the Israelite nation split and became two nations, with Israel in the north and Judah in the south. I guess you were right. It was a bad time in the lands. That's not the worst of it, though. You see, God's temple was in Judah, the southern kingdom. So this meant back in those days, if someone in Israel wanted to worship God the way he said to, they would have to go to Judah to do it. This made Jeroboam, the king of the northern kingdom, very nervous. Hmm. If my people decide to go south into Judah to worship, then they'll leave my kingdom and want to be one nation again. I can't have that. Uh, I need to come up with a plan. And Jeroboam did come up with a plan. He made temples in his own kingdom, hired a bunch of people to be priests, and he set up two golden calves. Listen, my fellow Israelites, these calves are the true gods that brought you out of Egypt and to this beautiful land. Worship them and offer your sacrifices to them. And unfortunately, that's what most of his people did. They turned away from the true God and instead bowed down to worthless idols. How can this get any worse? Well, it gets worse, doesn't it? After a few generations, a king named Ahab came to the throne of Israel, and he was worse than any of the kings before him. I don't know. I'm a pretty good king. This whole bowing down to golden calves is okay, I guess. But I think Israel needs a new god. A better god. Something like the god my wife worships. Yes, my most royal husband. You would do well to worship my gods, Baal and Asherah. Aren't they absolutely powerful and beautiful? Come, darling, kiss them with me. Oh, absolutely, my pet. I love the fact that they go against everything Moses told us to do. Yes! <laughs> of course, this attitude did not make the one true God happy at all. And so, he sent the prophet Elijah to the king to deliver a message. This is the word of my master, the one true God. As long as he is real, there will be no rain or dew in Israel until I say. That's ridiculous. Baal and Asherah are the ones that make rain. Your God is a load of fooey. Exactly. Come now and kiss them. Uh, no thanks. And so Elijah left the royal couple, and it was like he said. After this visit, there was no rain or dew, and it stayed that way. So, did Elijah ever say it would rain again? We'll find out right after this. And now we continue the story of Elijah. Obviously, after stopping all the rain in the kingdom of Israel, Elijah was not a popular person, especially with the king and queen. They had sent people far and wide to hunt him down, but God had led him to a quiet ravine where he could drink from a brook. But what did he eat? God sent ravens, big black birds, 
to bring him breakfast and dinner every day. But eventually, the brook dried up, and Elijah had to move on. Welcome to Zarephath and Sidon. Hmm. Excuse me, ma'am. Do you have any water that I could have? Water? Um, sure. I'll get you some. Hold on. Oh, and some bread if you please. That would be great. Look, Mr. Prophet of God, I don't have any bread. In fact, all I have is this little bit of flour and a little bit of oil and these sticks I've been gathering. I'm going to use the sticks to make a fire, and then I'll mix the oil and the flour into dough. Then I'll bake it into bread so my son and I can eat one last time, and then we'll die. Don't be afraid. Do what you just said. Maybe not the dying part, but first make me a loaf of bread. God has told me that your oil and flour will never run out until he sends rain again. Well, okay. I guess we don't have much to lose. So she just did it? Why? Who knows? I have a feeling she might have started to realize that the false gods of the king and queen weren't exactly everything they were cracked up to be. If the gods of the land couldn't make it rain, then why should she not help this prophet who said he served a more powerful one? The Bible doesn't say, though. It makes sense. So what happened? Just like God said, the oil and flour never ran out. God miraculously kept the woman, her son, and Elijah well-fed for three years. And they lived happily ever after. Not quite. Sometime after this encounter, the woman's son got very sick, and before long, he died. What? How is that fair? Why did you come here, man of God? Did you come to remind me of all my bad choices and to kill my son? Give him to me. Elijah took the little boy up to his room and laid him on the bed. Oh, Lord, why did you let this poor woman's son die? Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. Elijah prayed this three times, and God answered his prayers. The boy started breathing again. Elijah picked him up and carried him back downstairs. Look, your son is alive. <gasps> my baby! Oh, I have you again. Thank you, sir. You must be a prophet of the real God, and the things he tells you to say are true. Wow, that was incredible. Two miracles? That must have made everyone around believe in the real God. It was pretty dramatic, but not as fantastic as what happened next. And we'll hear about it right after this. Hey, that was my line. <laughs> And now, back to the story of Elijah. You might be wondering what was happening with King Ahab at this time. He was still sending people far and wide to find Elijah, either to kill him or bring him back in chains, but it was no use. No one found him. And so the drought continued. The grass withered, trees died, and eventually the animals started to go hungry. This will certainly not do, not at all. Obadiah! You called, Your Excellency? Yes, indeed. We need to find hay for our animals. I'm going to go look. I want you to go look, too. Here's my map. I'll go look down this way, and you go that way. If you find anything, come and get me. As you wish, my lord. As Obadiah searched for hay that hadn't been scorched by the sun, he met someone he didn't expect. Hello, Obadiah. Is that you, Elijah? It is indeed. I want you to go tell your master that I want to meet with him. Did I do something wrong, good sir? You do realize that the king wants to find you more than anything. What if I tell him to come meet with you and God takes you away again? The king will have me killed and the hundred or so followers of the one true God that I've been hiding will not be safe anymore. Wait, 
Why would he be hiding those people? Well, it may not surprise you that Queen Jezebel was rounding up everyone who would not bow down to or kiss the idol she worshipped and having them killed. Obadiah was secretly following Elijah's God and knew of a couple caves where he had hidden other followers of God so that the queen couldn't find them. Don't be afraid, Obadiah. I will meet with the king today. I promise you. If you say so, I will go. And so off he went to find King Ahab and give him the message. King Ahab wasted no time. Is that you, Mr. Troublemaker? I'm not the one who's making the trouble. You and your fathers have done that. Now then, go and summon everyone in the kingdom to come to Mount Carmel and be sure that all 950 priests of your false god come too. They will be needed for a very important ceremony. Ceremony? You know what? Sure, whatever. See you then. And so Ahab did what Elijah had told him to. When everyone had gathered, they set up two altars. Altars? They're like big stone tables where people burned offerings. All right, so here's the deal, you all. You all need to choose which god you will serve. I'm the last prophet of God in Israel, but if you look over there, you can see there are 900 priests of those false gods you guys like so much. So I've come up with a test. A test? A test? Yes. Your priest will make a sacrifice on your altar to Baal, and I will make one to my god. We are not going to set these offerings on fire, though. Instead, we will pray, and whoever's god answers by setting their sacrifice on fire is the real one, and we should worship that one only. Sounds like a deal. And so the priests of Baal started praying. For hours, they yelled, sang, danced around, cut themselves. But nothing happened. Are you sure your god's awake? Where is he? Did he go on a trip? Have you checked the bathroom? He might be busy in there. Yell louder. But it was no use. Baal didn't answer. All right, my turn. First, I need water. A lot of water. I want to make sure this altar, the offering, and the firewood are completely soaked. In fact, do it three times. But why? Won't that make it harder for the sacrifice to burn? Maybe. <clears throat> Lord, let everyone know that you are the real God, and I am your servant. Please send fire to show everyone who you are, so they will follow you. Amen. Whoa! The fire! It didn't just take the offering, but the stone altar and even the water with it. Yeah, I can't believe it. Then everyone knew who the true god was. They put the priests of Baal to death, and soon after that, it began to rain. We now return to the story of Elijah. So... The people knew God was real and that he is more powerful than any fake God, so everyone lived happily ever after, right? Not exactly. When Queen Jezebel heard what had happened to her priests of Baal, she was livid. Bring me his head! I will rip him apart like he did to my priests! I will do stuff to him we can't even talk about on the air, they're so bad! Elijah didn't wait around to find out what that meant. Instead, he ran away, far away. He left Israel, left Judah, and went into the wilderness until he got to the holy mountain where God had given his commandments to his people long ago, the mountain called Sinai. That must have been a long trip. It was. It took him 40 days and nights to get there. He asked God to let him die, but instead, God sent an angel with food and water. Hmm. What's the matter? I'm just trying to decide if it's cooler to be fed by an angel or by ravens. <laughs> When he got to the mountain, he found a cave and slept there, 
until he heard a familiar voice. What are you doing here, Elijah? I have served you the best I can, Lord. The people of Israel have stopped worshiping you and killed all the other prophets. And now they've said that they're going to kill me, too. Hmm. Go outside and stand by the side of the mountain. I'm going to pass by. Uh, okay. Just then, a windstorm kicked up out of nowhere, followed by an earthquake. Then there was a great fire. But in all of these things, Elijah couldn't see or hear God. Then he heard a whisper. Elijah. He put his cloak over his face and stepped toward the opening of the cave. What are you doing here, Elijah? It's like I said, Lord. Your people turned away from you. They want to kill me. I've served you faithfully. I'm the only one left. Listen closely. This is what I want you to do. Go back to Israel, and I want you to anoint the next kings of Israel and Aram, as well as the prophet that will come after you. The ones who have turned against me will all be destroyed. But understand, my friend, there are at least 7,000 people in Israel that I have kept safe who have not bowed down to or kissed the idols that the queen worships. And so Elijah did just that. There are more stories about Elijah in the Bible, and you can read them in 1st and 2nd Kings. Elijah was a great prophet, and his story of faithfulness to God and his commitment to following God's commands is a great example to us all. What are you up to, Olin? Just looking up the rest of the stories about Elijah that Miss Tabitha said were in here. I'm kind of confused, though. Does his name sometimes have an S-H in it? Oh, you're saying the name of the prophet that came after Elijah. His name was Elisha. Well, that's not confusing at all. Good thing we stopped before we learned about him. Yeah, I was just glad I had a part besides Jezebel. Oof, what a creep she was. She definitely was a piece of work, that's for sure, Sam. Many men, women, and children died because of her and King Ahab's wickedness. Yeah. I gotta say, Mr. Jacobs, there was a lot of dying and killing in this story. I thought the Bible was a story of love and peace. It is, Monica. But in order to understand the love and peace that following God brings, the Bible shows us what happens when we don't follow His commands, too. It also shows you how bad things can happen to you even if you do follow Him. That doesn't sound right. I thought only good stuff happens to you if you do what God tells you. That's not always the case, Olin. Passages in 1 Peter and Romans 8 tell us that when we do what is right, there will be people who won't like it and will try to hurt us because of it. But like we heard in the story, we are never alone. There are always other people who are serving God and are going through what you are going through. But besides those people, there's also God who is with us. Even if we're trying to hide away and not be found, God can cut through the storm and the fires of life and talk to us when we're scared. Kind of like Jesus said in Matthew 28, 20. Well, thank you all for helping me with my lesson for my class tomorrow, everyone. See you all next week. I know I'll be here. I'll have to see what the schedule at work says. Want me to turn off the radio before we go, Mr. Jacobs? That would be great. Thanks, Kyle.